0: Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walline, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts.
1: Welcome back to Web Rush. This is episode 185. Today's topic, speeding up your front-end development with our guest, Maria Corniva. I'm John Papa, along today with my co-hosts, Ward Bell and Dan Wallin. And Dan, you were instructing me on the finer points of the color blue today. So you have to tell everybody about the patent that you have on blue.
2: Yeah, I,
1: I <laughs> want to know, too. what, what yeah, me too, Ward. What was the uh, instruction you speak of, John? <laughs> well, a long time ago, I, I guess I'll go into it so Dan is being modest. long time ago, Dan and I were at a conference, and I just it hit me that after 15 years of knowing you, that it seemed like your wardrobe consisted of 90% one color and shade of blue. So I was just... <laughs> curious on what happened there. And so we were kind of teasing you one day. We came up with the idea that this color in the Pantone is, is just known as Dan blue. And yeah, I really do think that you need to get a patent on that.
3: <laughs> I should. I should. Tra- I, you know, unfortunately, copyright. But you're wearing red today. Nobody can tell that you're wearing red today. I, I was it's just, just going
2: to say, I'm kind of, you know, this is the other
1: 10%, I guess, of the uh, wardrobe. So the, the red and the yellow. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very vague, even an occasional black. But no, if you go to go to a conference and you see Dan Walleen, you'll know who he is because he's about seven foot seven, and he's got, got he wears blue so <laughs> a lot. He, does, he I, does. By the way,
2: Ward, we can't see yours, but is that that looks bluish? I think I like it, Ward. Your it shirt is,
3: it is it is blue, and I'm wearing a mix uh, O's oh something eleven
1: t-shirt. Oh wow. as a throwback. The good old days. A throwback, yeah. I wonder how many of our listeners out there remember Microsoft Mix, the conference that existed in the late, uh was it, 2008 through 2011, I believe? Yeah, Four this was 2011. Like that.
2: Yeah. that was a good conference. I wish we One still had that. One of my favorites. That. All-time yeah,
1: favorites. Uh, nostalgia. Sometimes it's it's good to think <laughs> back and. Sometimes it's good to look forward. And speaking about looking forward, today's guest is all about how we move our web forward and speeding up front-end development. So I'd like to welcome a return guest to the show, Maria Corneva. How are you doing, Maria?
4: I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me again.
1: (laughs) Yes. And for those out there who don't remember, Maria was on an episode with us 30-some-odd episodes ago where we talked about building a technology radar with Maria on episode 155. we'll, We'll drop a link into the show notes so you can check that out. But for those of you who didn't listen in, let me tell you a little bit more about Maria. Maria is a front-end technology lead with a focus on Angular. She writes for NGConf, speaks at tech meetups, and co-organizes the NGDE conference. In her tweets and articles, Maria likes to share her learnings for everyday coding. And a fun fact is that Maria illustrates her stories herself because she likes drawing. So welcome to the show, And, and hopefully you can explain to us... How your drawing can kind of enhance some of your stories, too. I'm kind of curious. I I like to draw as well. We've done some episodes on it, but I'd like to hear about that throughout today, too.
2: And -hmm. first off, Maria, I'm jealous because I can't even draw like stick people. So (laughs) John's actually
1: pretty decent and you're probably really good, too. So I remember a time, Maria, when I was trying to show Dan how to draw the docker whale. We were at a conference. He's like, that's cool. Uh, you drew like, drew like an icon of the docker whale. And I remember sitting down and trying to do it. And I'll tell you this, I can draw decently, but I cannot teach how to draw. But that's something I don't <laughs> I, I was a terrible instructor. Dan. I I, I was a, uh, I, I'm a failure as a student in that case. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thus ended my career as an artist instructor. So what do you like to draw, Maria?
4: actually i've started once with a picture of me it was just an avatar and the whole thing was not about illustrating my point but more adding some um emotions to the articles like you know i was writing about double click events um and um there was a little girl there with which was really upset because the app crashed and, and there was a whole point of storytelling because um at the end, there was a picture of a happy girl because everything was fixed and um, she was able to press the button as many times as she wanted. So that's how it started. And then I realized that I can um, have this, this use it as a kind of a branding, but then also combine it with um, emotions, but also um, go through the metaphors. Like if speaking about dependency injection, um, I could also. Um, illustrated with some injections like the real world injections like medical injections or um, with proxies I illustrated a little girl um, talking the phone uh, to another little girl and in between them there was like the whole labyrinth of um, cables whatever so the call was proxied to from A to B so that's the mixture of those three things.
1: Ward, you are somewhat of an amateur artist yourself, are you not? Don't you have art that you sell on the internet, or is that your better half? That is the better half. She's wonderful. She's
3: an oil <laughs> painter. Uh, I'm, I'm terrible uh, with, with, with any of those kind of mechanical things, um, but I appreciate it, and I do, I do think that it enhances, um. Your points. And so in my presentations, I'm busily robbing the net for, for drawings and gifts and things like that, um, which I hope uh, amplify uh, my points. That's, that's the way I apply that stuff.
4: Um, And also, um, you don't have copyright issues if you do it yourself. So it's also (laughs) less pain.
3: Yeah. I have tried doing like taking photographs of myself doing in funny postures and things like that. Cause then, uh, you know, to make points and that has, that has worked at the time, uh, from time to time. So, uh, but yeah, if you, if you can draw and, 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 you know, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, as people say they can't sing, well, maybe they can't sing well, but they can sing and they can be taught to sing a little better. And I'm sure I could be, I could teach myself to draw.
2: Yeah. Can I ask Maria, what, uh, because I've used for a lot of courses, for example, visuals to help, like you said, make, you know, take a complex topic and really boil it down where you can just look at a picture, even though mine were custom drawn, cause I'm, as we now know, I am not good at that. What's, uh, like your inspiration for, how do you go about doing that? Um, like, do you have a process you go through or you just kind of make it up as you go or any process that others could benefit from?
4: So actually, it's a very good question. I think I always start with an emotion. So of course, any article starts, in which I usually write, start, uh, starts with a problem statement. And I can always start with drawing some angry or upset Uh, people, but actually it's more than that or deeper than that. You can, maybe um, you have some feeling from the solution that you offer, maybe from the process. Uh, Maybe you feel like a little uh, detective or searching for some clues. Maybe uh, you feel um, like, um, you know, like a murderer who is hiding something or maybe um, maybe you're missing something. So it's always an emotion, um, which inspires me. Um, in which I try to convey in some way.
3: I, I think that's, that's, yeah, bringing emotion to whatever you're talking about really uh, is a key.
1: Hey, Ward, you know, I was building an application the other day and I pulled in this really cool UI component, but it brought along a lot of dependencies with it. How, how do you deal with that?
3: I don't like that, John. Um, it reminds me uh, that the AG Grid, which is a, uh, an advanced uh, data, editable data table that we use in a lot of our enterprise apps because it it addresses the complex scenarios we encounter. Um, AG Grid doesn't have any dependencies at all.
1: Zero dependencies. Well, tell me why why is that good? Like, what is the value of having zero dependencies?
3: Well, it's it's wonderful not having to wonder if while I'm pulling that in, I'm also pulling jQuery in or lodash or who knows what. Uh, in part because that's extra stuff coming over the wire. It's extra files that I don't know what they're all about. Uh, it means when my client's security team has to evaluate this, they're evaluating AG Grid and not everything else that might be slipping in under the covers or is something that we have to worry about there.
1: You know, it's great to see this day and age. You can have a zero-dependency library that does something like complex data grid functionality. So all of you out there, do check out AG Grid at their website at ag-grid.com. So we're
3: talking about uh, speeding up uh, web development here, uh, Maria, and uh, I'm sure you have some top considerations there. So, um, what what's, what uh, I'll, I'll Let me give you a little funny one. Okay, oh, I had a friend. We had a friend. I don't know if he was a friend, but anyway, he said that um, <laughs> if uh, only he, he could he could code faster and code better if he could only type faster. So, Something tells me that is not going to be, being able to type faster is not going to be on your list. So, what's on your list?
4: Yeah, well, actually, I've prepared 14 points or aspects. I think at the end, I might even come up with the 15th one. Um, that was a kind of research that I did for uh, within my role, and I presented those points uh, for the board, board of directors in my company. And at the end, when I was talking about people and skills, um, um, one of the directors indeed asked if uh, I really want people to type faster. But yeah, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So um, what uh, what is important to me is that um, when we're, we're talking about delivering faster, usually people start with CI, CD, some continuous uh, integration or development delivery and um, talk about some automation. But actually it's just out, it, it is true and this is a valid uh, suggestion, but um, this is just not the whole story. And I tried to come up with some holistic approach um, where we start at the code level and uh, go further till we end up with people, because you always have people in web development.
1: I wish we could just get rid of the people sometimes. You know, that would it, life would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Okay, keep going.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, so at the code level, I, I thought about something like Uh, format in the first place, because this this is, this is so trivial, but this is an immense improvement, especially in in front end development, because you have HTML and you have a lot of of this. And if it's not properly, properly formatted, it's really hard. It's actually, it's really easy to, to miss a missing, to overlook a missing tag. Um, So this is a simple um, step, but it, as, as they say, it's a, a small step for a human being, but it's a giant step for human uh, for the whole mankind. So that's just a trivial first step. Then you go with uh, with the linters and with the um, uh, static code analyzers with code quality. Um, here I have a funny story. Um, actually, I have to um, write a linter a rule now. For I uh, have to extend our AS Lint, uh, linter rules because we had a bug um, related to date handling with JavaScript, which sounds like fun and is fun. And um, the problem was that we were getting um, our dates from the back-end, backend in the wrong format, and putting this in a new date constructor um, was resulting in a mess. So, um, actually, implementing some rules. Um, not only um, helps you to have some standards, but also prevents from uh, the same mistakes happening in the future. So you're not only um, uh, sp- spending more uh, spending more time negotiating and um, reflecting how to implement stuff, but also, you know, that it, it, this won't happen in the future. Because if I write a rule which prohibits to use this particular strings in new date constructor, then I know that nobody will um, make the same mistake in the future in my team. So it's just um, easier to avoid those bugs because bugs cost time. Um, the next point that I have is the, the bundlers. So this is also kind of a no-brainer, but I still want to mention them because, um, because of the holistic approach. So it's because... Um, because it's the whole picture. So we're moving away, away from the code, but uh, we are looking at the code related tasks. So as uh, something which um, repeats, um, something which um, it would, um, would be longer, would, would last longer if we do it manually. Um, for example, resizing uh, pictures. So preparing pictures for different responsive formats. Can, uh, can be automatized. So here, this is the first step where, where we're automating stuff, where we are faster just because uh, we are not doing it, but someone's code is
1: doing this for us. So the same, if you're, if I could interrupt uh, you just a moment, sorry. So you're talking absolutely, about absolutely. pictures for the web, like automating, resizing those for the different responsive formats? Is, is that what you're you're talking yeah. about like in CICD? Yeah. Awesome. So you have multiple... Versions of the same. Let's say it's a picture of, um, you know, you. It's a picture of you, and you're putting on a web page. You get the the full blown image. You get the thumbnail. You get all different sizes for phone, low internet connection. Gotcha.
4: Yeah, so okay. Preparing pictures for the source set, basically.
3: Yeah, I could spend yeah. hours doing that by
1: hand. Yeah. yeah. That can be a, that could be a big struggle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. never get it right. <laughs> I'll bet you a lot of people don't even do that at all, too. So uh, when You know, a lot of projects i worked on, I I think I've shared this story before. uh, Once I was at Disney, one of the problems we had was we had an error page where I believe that we had Donald Duck causing a scene. It was an error page of Donald Duck going crazy. And I think the image, the story gets bigger and bigger. So why not extrapolate? Uh, It was like a 10 meg image or something. Um, It was well over a meg. But whatever it was, but it was way too big to be putting up there on the page. And it was just absolutely so slow. On connectivity, but just having you know automation tools would allow you to shrink the size even for some of these. It was a thing that I don't see a lot of even big companies like Disney doing all the time.
2: Are there any uh, specific tools you have used for that at all, or that others you know might benefit in their scenarios? Because I agree with I think Ward said it, you know, or I don't know, maybe John said it, but whoever said it, a lot of us we just don't think about that. Um, So if if I wanted to do it, where would I kind of start there?
4: We used Gulp for this, just um, uh, implement and integrate it into the um, task runner in a bundle. Good deal. Um, yeah, I mentioned task runners, exactly. So um, here I have Gulp or NPM scripts or Husky, um, which is also a way to uh, automate some stuff. I particularly like Husky a lot um, because it hooks into the Git hooks and helps uh, and kind of... Things, it does things that I might forget in between. For example, um, installing dependencies after checkout or testing um, the changed code before I commit or, I don't know, um, linting something which is staged. So this is something that um, just, it's is utils which helps me to um, take care of the things that I um, sometimes forget. Um, and, the mo- and the next point in my presentation, actually, I've prepared a presentation, so I'm going to share the link with you. So the next point um, are the ID utils, so some extensions that help uh, help you to um, work more efficiently. Um, actually, I see a lot uh, a lot of developers are discussing some fonts and and colors, especially background colors and all these schemes, um, which is a fine thing, but actually. Um, Even more helpful are some language tools uh, or um, some little extensions, um, something like sort imports so that the whole team sorts all the imports the same way and then you don't have to look at at the changes or the differences uh, in the pull request so that you know it stays the same in the whole team. Actually, the consistency in the team is um, the um, overreaching um, aspect um, so that um, the formatters, the linters, and all those extensions also uh, guarantee that um, the team is able to develop code or write software in a consistent way. Um, the next thing uh, that I'd like to mention are frameworks. And um, I think it is actually, again, this is a no-brainer because um, web developers love prof- uh, frameworks. Um But this is actually uh, this is also a thing that helps to speed up uh, the delivery because we don't have to reinvent the wheel. The wheel we can actually uh, rely upon something which is already developed, which is already there. Um, It be it a UI framework so that we can use some uh, web web components or some functionality, something like. I don't know like i am thinking about mo j s but this is a deprecated library. um I think I will come up um later with the names of the um alternatives, but this is something which helps to deal with the dates as as you as I've mentioned I, I'm a bit traumatized about this uh, the next point is design patterns, and I mean by that that those are these are this this is a set of best practices that the community developed. this is not the official um Explanation or the, not an official definition of this, but this is how I mean it. Um, why? As a, again, this is um, the point of not reinventing the wheel, uh, not making the same mistakes. So there's a lot of smart people that already had those problems and they came up with brilliant ideas how to solve them, um, and this set of best solutions for um, repeated. Uh, problems um is something which i understand as design patterns and um it is uh, extremely helpful to know them and to search for them to to um uh proactively uh, look for them and implement them um
3: yeah there's a it's a kind of a culture of programming i think that uh, you know there, there was a, a design pattern frenzy a few years back with the book the, known as the gang of four book uh mm-hmm. um but uh uh to try and confirm you know that was It's beginning to sound like some time ago, so people aren't exactly clear on on what that is. but it, it, it's when it's you kind of squint at a problem that you have and say, you know, that looks like another problem uh, that we've solved uh, with certain um, in a in a similar way, and uh, and you know, and and what happens is that when a, a number of people feel like um, they've seen that kind of problem before and they found a successful approach to it, uh, they can give a name to it. That becomes the the name of that pattern, the design pattern, and then it becomes a quick way for us to. Talk about it, so I can say, did you use a strategy pattern for that, uh, for that problem? And and if we're all kind of clued into at least the major patterns, we know what we're talking about without having to explain it over and over again. And uh, and sometimes that sort of opens up an idea for you because you think you're struggling along there and you're wondering how to solve a problem. Somebody comes along and says, well, you know, if you use the strategy pattern, and you say, you know what, that might just be right. So it's a it's a kind of a shorthand for tapping into common approaches to individual programming problems is that that's kind of how you see it
4: yeah, absolutely. Thank you for this addition that's that's not only how I say it, but it's also how I mean it how I feel it <laughs> and actually that um when when you were talking, I thought about um the communication aspect of this because actually I was thinking i I put this on the list to um illustrate the point that if you are reusing best practices of someone, you are faster than um, going going through the whole uh, problem solving process by yourself. But this is also something which um, speeds up the communication. I don't have to explain uh, what I mean by that. It's just uh, enough if I name the pattern. And well, in the best case, it should be enough. But this is something which actually really um, makes the communication easier.
3: Absolutely. It really is about that. Um, You know, I pick strategy because that goes way back a bit, but container presenter, that's something that a lot of us who are doing web development uh, have Mm -hmm. taken on and said, you know, uh, boy, this is a good case for a container presenter. And then somebody else might come along and say, you know, I don't want to use container presenter here and Mm here. why. And that, so it should be really clear that, it, that we don't hammer everything with a, a, a pattern. We use them to describe what we think is an appropriate uh, solution to a problem right now. And it's just our shorthand for talking to each other about the pros and cons of an approach. And, and I can ask you why you didn't use it or why you did use it. And we, have, we know we're calibrated about what we're going to talk about. and And that cuts out my having to explain something in long you know this is your speed up thing you know we 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 tame the com- we tame the complexity and variety somewhat by simply being able to put a name to
1: it it's a horse oh
3: okay we're
1: talking about horses now <coughs> <laughs> what design patterns are you working on with horses Warren? <laughs> yeah
3: well you know i know you <laughs> Look, John, if you're going to use cows, you, you know, we're just not on the same
1: page here. Horses is the way to go. Come on. Are we talking about, you know, Clydesdale pattern? And, you know, we're going to have well, the, that's the, variant, you know, the Mustang the Clydesdale variant.
3: Yeah, the Clydesdale okay. variant.
1: All right. I prefer the Mustang pattern. I know I know Dan does, too. So we'll have to go at it.
2: Yeah. Him. I like the owl pattern, too, because I think owls are cool. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You were taking flight there, Dan. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I am taking flight. (laughs) Back to back to you. Where where were you? Where what was next on your hit parade?
4: So um, the next thing is the um, the processes. So as you might notice, we're um, moving away from code. So now we're going, um, we're approaching people, (laughs) and processes can be also speed up through some automation or some. Connections, for example, um, many developers work with Jira, and Jira has some bil- some plugins that can be added to um, connect um, tests tests and um, the tickets. So basically, one of the plugins um, helps you um, to write behavior driven um, tests in Jira ticket using more or less plain English which is then imported into your code base and then the developers can implement those um, tests and then the results are reported back to Jira. So um, there is no necess- unnecessary moving of tickets and the whole process is automated so that uh, once the tests um, are green or are su- successful, um, everyone knows it and the ticket is updated automatically. That's we, that would be... that could be one of the um, options in here. Another uh, thing um, in this category is alerting. So um, uh, when you implement the proper alerting, when some bugs in production occur, um, you just wait less to discover those bugs and you are starting fixing earlier, which means again that you are faster in the delivery.
2: And that's just good for overall team communication too because uh, you may get an alert that you don't know how to deal with, but you might know someone who does. So, you know, you can resolve that, like you said,
4: much more quickly. Yeah, absolutely, good point, yeah.
0: Hey, are you building apps in React, Angular, Node, or some other framework? Well, with NX, you can build your full stack apps in a shared monorepo, integrate with modern tools, and reinforce best practices. You'll get advanced code generation and automatically configured tooling like Cypress, Jest, and Prettier that will simplify your workflow. NX also helps you simplify the relationships between applications and shared libraries to make it easier to share more code and develop more consistently across teams. And the best part is you'll build higher quality apps and spend less time on configuration. So visit nx.dev to get Narwhal's popular open source toolkit for monorepo development today.
4: So the next one is um, fake backend, And here I want to emphasize that uh, if you um, decouple front-end development from uh, back-end development, um, they can start in parallel. They don't have to wait for each other. And coming from the front-end development, this is what is often the bottleneck for us. Um, even if you have this vagary definition, it's sometimes not enough. So being able to spin up a fake backend is actually a huge speed up.
3: for. That's been one of the most important things for the success of one of my projects. I just can't wait for all the server problems and all that stuff. I have no time for that. So, uh, yeah, I have a come completely mocked the back end and sometimes say people say ah oh, you know it's going to take time to do that that time is always recovered very quickly or it's not going to be exactly like you know what if it gets out of sync with the back end hey you'll find that out eventually but most of the time you're just having the front end um being able to iterate on the front end against what you think the back end is going to be it gets you uh, uh the lion's share of the way so i think that's one of the least appreciated and most important uh, speed-ups for front-end development.
1: I'm with you, Ward, and Maria, I'm, I'm dying to hear what there's so many different fake back-end services and tools that are out there. Which, which ones do you really like?
4: I use JSON Server. It's pretty straightforward. You can speed up the server with, I don't know, maybe 13, 15 lines of code, and you have so many features in there. So you have you can mock uh, post requests, get requests, um, any kind of errors that you'd like. So this is um, this is the my my framework of choice. Speaking of fake development uh, backends, I'd like also to add that it's not only necessary or useful for front end development, but also for testing. Sometimes you just cannot. Um, shut down your server, but the testers still have to um, test your error handling. So there are some other options are required. For example, using using cookies. Um, one of my colleagues wrote a script which um, um, runs on some of the infrastructure layers. I think it was Epic. And um, whenever there is a cookie with uh, some particular cookie called test error something or test error code, then the script uh, reacts upon this and returns whatever is there in the cookie back. So the uh, request is not propagated uh, to the ser- to the backend server, but returns on this um, layer in between. And the testers can dif- uh, define any uh, desired response and test for any any particular f- um, error that they um, need to.
3: Yeah, and it's also a lot easier with with having a, a test database, you know, a mock database that's actually an in-memory database, that you can quickly reset, and you know, so it can grow while you're creating things, and then bang, you reset
1: it. Do I know somebody who's written one? Yeah, thought, is I thought, called? I think Rindle? I do too. Yeah. It sounds like a sales commercial for it is for the <laughs> a, yeah.
3: So the <laughs> Angular has one of these, the in-memory uh, web API, and I contributed that to the uh, Angular committee. It reminds me that
1: does that? Uh, it's part of the Angular now, right? Like it's actually baked into Angular. It is now. Yes, they, it is actually
3: available through Angular, and I have to have uh, you know on the project I'm currently working on, I must have thousands and thousands of lines of code that are dedicated to, that rest upon that, that create uh, various simulations of the multiple APIs that we actually have.
1: You know, the thing I love about what you're saying to Ward and Maria about fake backends is that the way to truly appreciate something, and we'll go off to talk about tools that are valuable, but the best way to really appreciate a tool is understand what you would do if you didn't have the tool. How would you actually do all this testing that you're talking about, Maria, your behavior-driven testing, or actually set up large suites of tests, or even just develop your front end when the back end isn't quite ready? Maybe the developers haven't completed the back end. If you didn't have some kind of a fake back end service like JSON server or some of these others, I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I remember there were days where I did this, and I basically would prop up APIs that did something, but that sounds really painful (laughs) these days to do that. So it's a good way to appreciate what you're talking about. I'm hundred percent with you there.
4: Yeah. And then uh, maybe just to um, speed up a bit. Um, I'd like to mention other points, but I don't gonna uh, go into detail on them because they are huge. So I can spend hours talking about them um, separately. So one of them is testing. CI/CD, of course, uh, that's what I've uh, started with. Um, logging, um, and what I also have at the um, at the final point are um, people. So um, what I mean to say is that if the team doesn't um, cooperate, if if the culture doesn't fit, um, none of those tools or processes will work or will help um, for hundred percent but even more if we are talking about each individual we are talking about full stack developers and um which means that it's desirable to be able to develop client side and uh, back end side uh, logic but we we'll also forget about soft skills which is actually the part of the stack so when working uh, on on self development trying to improve the skills, sometimes it may, might be more useful to use the strengths on the soft skill side. So maybe uh, you are a perfect communicator. So your strengths is to figure out the requirements before you start. And once you figure them out, uh, out you are way faster than someone else whose strength is development, uh, de- developing some features. So it's always the whole set. And I think this is important um, it's always the whole set, and I think it's um, really important to bear this in mind.
1: I agree. I, I think these are all really great points that you're, you're bringing up, and I'm actually really interested in looking at the uh, presentation that you that you do on this as well. So I uh, appreciate you sharing that in the show notes for everybody. And to remind all the listeners out there, we have show notes on the WebRush page and also on my personal blog page where we put these up there so you can catch these for all the episodes for the There Forever, which is nice, since I know Maria is dropping, I think we've dropped about 30 different links into the show notes already, so there's quite a bit in there already for everybody to consume. Maria, this is the part of the show that is always the most sad for us, the time for us to turn towards the end and also share our final thoughts with our audience. So sad that we have to end it, but happy that we get to share our final thoughts. And I'm going to start today's final thoughts with the man who has the whole cornerstone of the market on the color blue, Dan Walline. Dan, what's your final thought for the audience?
2: My final thought is: pick a favorite color and stick with it, people. That's uh, <laughs>
3: that's
2: what we need to all do. No, uh, you you made me think, Maria, because I had not used like JSON server before. I've heard of it, but never used it. But while we were talking, and you were telling us a little bit about that, because I agree, the uh, you know backend API mockings, it's like so cool once you get into it. But I've used some other options. Um, I was looking at Jason server though, and wow, it is really simple. Like you were saying, I think you said it was, you know, 13, 14 lines of code or something like that. And that's not my point. I guess my point is every now and then it's nice to kind of, you know, pop your head up out of whatever uh, cave we're living in working just to see what else is out there. Because sometimes you might be really surprised with uh, the ease with which you could use something else that you've just never tried before. So and that was a good example for me because I haven't uh, used that. So thanks for suggesting it.
1: You're welcome. And Ward, what's your final thought for the audience?
3: You know, I have lots of thoughts about what makes for good development and fast development, too. So I'm going to throw one in there, um, which is uh, the willingness to, to, to look at something and just that you wrote and throw it away. <laughs> you know, it looked really good at the time. But you can just keep, you can waste a lot of time just trying to fix the thing, which we call putting lipstick on a pig. Uh, when you'd be better off uh, just saying, you know what, that uh, that inspires me. That wrong turn inspires me to come up with a completely different way, and it's it can be easier this to just sort of wipe out the old one than to try and keep making it do something that it's not going to do well and that that comes up you know when you're looking at existing code and uh wondering whether to to just bolt another feature on or whether it's time uh whether you couldn't save a lot of time uh, and both in the present and in the future by saying okay that was that let's start over
1: Uh, so i want to keep that on on the radar as a possible Uh, Uh, I'm envisioning your next art that you draw now for that article uh, (laughs) of a pig with lipstick. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this at your next rendering, Ward. (laughs) Uh, uh (laughs) I think Maria will be able to draw it better than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maria, I I haven't heard, sorry, I haven't heard that term in a long time. So maybe smile lipstick on a pig, but it totally, totally resonates with me. Uh, Maria, what's your final thought for our audience?
4: Well, actually, I can connect to the things that Word said. So taking wrong terms uh, doesn't necessarily make you slower in the long term. Because if you want to deliver software faster, you should do it in a long-term sustainable way. Um, Actually, being faster while delivering something, it's not necessarily just being faster. It's also doing less, doing faster, redoing less or reinventing less fixing earlier and faster and waiting less, or maybe communicating more efficiently. So there's a lot of things that contribute to faster software development.
3: And let's never forget, if we could only type faster, we'd be better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm expecting a video to come out of Word now, just like the pencil sharpener, there's gonna be some kind of how to type faster with Ward (laughs) Bell, best-selling author. And I'll, I'll build on what you're all saying, too, because I, I think that um, a lot of what you're saying makes, really resonates with me, Dan, especially the idea of, you know, sticking your, sticking your head out of the cave once in a while and thinking about what else is out there. There's times when I think we, we get so into, I've already solved that problem. I know how to do it the way I do it. But then once in a while, and you stick your head up, you realize I may have solved that problem, but there is something even better that solves that and other things L- like JSON server is a great one to think about. Uh, I've been using that for a while, but I remember when I first hit it, what really struck me was not the JSON server, what it did, but the fact that there were plugins for it too. So you can actually do things like authorization and logins with it. Like it fakes the whole backend if you want to. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like half the time when I put demos together in the past, I had to fake how I did logins and logouts. Mm -hmm. Having all that was so nice. So. Dan and I are going to stick our heads out of the cave once in a while, more often, and uh, and pay attention to things. And I have one other tip that I want to share out with folks too, and that is mockaroo. So sometimes you need fake data, uh, and if you're like me, you tend to go to like Laura Ipsum sites or other places. But there's this cool site that I discovered recently called Mockaroo, and I'll drop it into the links. You can actually generate with this free version up to a thousand rows of data. It says and um, Use it for a thousand, but you can generate a thousand rows of data and you just tell it the kinds of field names, the data types, and some other information, and it will generate the data for you. Uh, they have a paid version too, if you need more than that. But for most of what I need, that that kind of thing really has been really really helpful for me running tests and actually just putting together like proof of concepts as well. So, um, and it's a I'll genius name,
2: tools. John. I mean, <laughs> really, you, you had. You had me a mockaroo, you know?
1: <laughs> you're like, I don't even care what it does.
3: <laughs> I just want a well,
1: mockaroo. That's
3: not a knife. <laughs> that's, this is a knife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now we have to drop, now we've got to drop in links to what movie reference that is, Ward. Come on. <laughs> hey, Maria, thank you for bearing with us today and going through all this. And thank you for being a return guest on our show. You're you're always such a font of information.
4: Thank you. and ha- Thank you for having me here again. It was fun.
1: Yeah, it's been really awesome to have you here. And I want to thank everybody for listening to us for yet another week of WebRush and for our sponsors for keeping us on the air. That good old sponsor from Down Under, Idea Blade. that Ward, Ward Bell has. <laughs> <laughs> You're not from Down Under, are you, Ward?
3: No, I'm from Up and Under. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And for our other sponsors that also keep us on the air, we've had for quite a bit. And I love calling them out because they've been so awesome at keeping us out here. Narwhal, one of our great sponsors, Ionic, another great sponsor, and also AG Grid. They've kept us on the air. They keep us coming to you. And the reason that you can hear from us every Thursday morning. See you next time on Rush.